The scripture for today's sermon comes from Matthew 1, verses 18 through 25. The word of God speaks to us like this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the very word of God to us. You may have seen, my name is Chad Puckett. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is a, a joy. It is, uh, it's just been a real treat to be in Yukon, to be out here, and to see this church grow from where we were a year ago to where we are today and what God's doing and, and what we can kind of see ahead of us, but also trusting God for what we can't see, what we don't recognize is ahead of us. This is... Uh, a familiar passage today, whether you grew up in church or have been around it, you've, you've at least heard some of these things. And in my, my guess is that no one is coming into this uh, just completely uh, cold, just like I've never understood or heard any of these things. What we want to do and what we pray all the time for each of us, myself included, is just that we would have our eyes open to things. That I wouldn't just return to it in a way in which it's like, oh, I know that story. I'm familiar with it. I'm familiar to a fault. I, ha I spent some time at the mall the other day in a roundabout way. I had to get my phone fixed. And so I'm stuck at the mall with all these people scrambling around. And, and there was just like the busyness and craziness. Uh, full disclosure, I'm not sure the last time I was in a mall. It's nuts, people. It's, it's nuts. It is insane. That same night, we had a Christmas party, which is equally nuts, if not more. It is a Christmas party that we have every year, which is a costume party, and people lose their minds in these costumes. And, I, and just, I, I just want full disclosure, let me just say this. I had no energy, no excitement whatsoever for Christmas songs or for a, a holiday costume party. And some of this is because it's like, not everybody is in a celebratory mood for Christmas. And there are plenty of spots. We watched White Christmas last night. It was a blast. We have Christmas cookies. We have all sorts of things in our life. And if you're here on a high, I don't want to steal any of your joy for Christmas. That is a beautiful thing. What I want to say to those who are coming in dragging or struggling where to find hope and joy this Christmas season, I also want you to hear you're not alone. You're not alone. And so wherever you find yourself this morning, this passage is for you. You might 
be limping into this place, limping through Advent. You might feel like this Christmas season has blindsided you with circumstances and different things. And, and again, this passage is for you. We're actually looking at a young couple who have their life literally turned upside down in an instant. And they're, they're truly, it is a jarring story if we're able to take uh, kind of the Christian tropes out of it and just read it as human beings. This would blast your life in ways that are really hard to understand. Where you're left saying, I, I don't know up from down. And what we see in this is an incredible picture of a detail-perfect, a detail-specific God who brings life into places that feel like death. So if you're carrying in here today just the joy of, of, of Christmas in a really beautiful way, thank you. Thank you for being here. And if you're also, if you're a person that is carrying in this place pain and confusion and questions, man, thank you for being here. We hope that regardless of who you are, regardless of, of where you're at and everything, it, we hope that if you come and spend any time with us, that you would say at some point in it, you'd be like, wait, that's not what I expected. Maybe the first time you walked into 10 West and it, it's a strip mall. We're not trying to hide that it's a strip mall. But hopefully that you would experience something of the love of God through the people of God that you'd say, that's not what I was expected, uh, expecting. And it, it isn't to lead you to say something cool about Frontline or us or any of us. It's to hopefully lead to that question, which is like, man, Jesus is not what I was expecting. I was expecting to be pushed away or... Or a harsh word. And Jesus too isn't what I was expecting. And so we're glad you're with us. And ultimately what we get to see is a story that talks about God with us. And so I want to pray for you. I want you to pray for me. Whatever condition you came in here with today. That we would be honest enough with ourselves and with God to say, like, God, I need you. I need your hope. I need, I need you to, to be at work in my life. Not one of us needs another calendar event on our Sunday morning. Not one of us needs another religious service to be a part of. What we need is the God to be with us right here this morning. So will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for what you're doing, even in ways that we don't fully understand. We thank you for this story of this young couple and ultimately this baby who would grow up. We thank you for all of it and we pray that you would open our eyes, help us to believe, and help us to walk out as different people. God, that you'd move in our midst and that you would satisfy those longings. We pray these things. We pray and ask desperately that you would be with us this morning. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we've got this story. This is altogether familiar story. You, you've probably heard of it. And, and my job this morning is to kind of walk us through it, hopefully kind of shine light in different areas, but help us to see this from a different perspective. Not a new perspective. It's always been there. But like, this is a love story, right? This is, this is a love story. We have a young couple here that are engaged to be married. We have a, we have a young couple that is like, their life is right before them. But ultimately, Ultimately, this isn't a love story about them. This is ultimately a bigger love story about God and what God's doing. 
And some of you are like, oh yeah, you always say that. You go back, it's always this God, this juke that you do. We're talking about this and that. No, this truly is it. This is, this is sinners around it. And what we get is an example through the, this young couple of what it looks like to trust and believe when everything is turned on its head. Everything. This isn't a Hallmark movie. This isn't, this isn't another Christmas holiday movie. This is, is not one of those things. In fact, I have this question asked of me all the time. They're like, well, didn't Christianity just start like 2,000 years ago? And what we even see in this is that the answer to that is no. What we have is this glimpse of God's story, God's love for his people from the very beginning and how he has been working it out in human beings. In people just like you and me. That's what we get. All the longings that we've been talking about find their fulfillment in this baby. All the longings that we, we, we set and have spoken about, that longing for where is hope in all of my sin? We went right back to the garden and we saw what was happening. Where is hope in the middle of that? It is all found in Jesus. That is where our only hope is because no one else can satisfy and take away our sin. Where is peace in, a, in just a buckwild world in which crazy things are happening, uh, both violence and, and also real pain points internally? Where is peace in this? It's the Prince of Peace who has come. Where is joy to be found beyond just the, the superficial, happy, nice thoughts that people give me that don't satisfy and don't actually bring joy? Where is joy found? Where's, where is joy beyond just the day-to-day grind and the pain points in this life? It's in Jesus alone. And now here we are, four weeks into Advent, day, Advent days before Christmas, and we're, we're finding the same question. Where is love found? In a world longing for love, doesn't matter what you believe, where you're at, there is this part in you that is longing to love and to be loved. Where do we find that perfectly satisfied in our hearts? Because other people are going to let you down. Where do we find that? We find it right here in this one who has come. And so this story... This story is so good for us because it shows us this detail, specific God, this infinite one who has come. He's doing something incredible through a really ordinary woman and a really ordinary dude in which he's bringing something out of it. You see, God knows. God knows our longings. God knows what we're going through. God knows what it is like here. Why? Well, one is because God created it. God actually created this place. He, the inventor of laughter and song, sneezes and naps, like the, the inventor of all of these things, like God knows our longings. He knows what we need. And he also knew that the answer to all this longing was going to come through this girl in this place. He knew it was going to be Mary. It's not an accident. God has a plan. And so what we're looking at is this unexpected pregnancy. This is, it gets called all sorts of things, but like often people are like, that is impossible and it's medically impossible, but it isn't impossible to the one who created the heavens and the earth. And so what we have is an altogether unique 
pregnancy. There's never been one like this. And there never will be again. There's never been a need because it's all satisfied in this one who meets us. It is a unique conception that we're talking about this morning. Unlike anything else, altogether different. And yet, Matthew gives us a glimpse in what it's like. It starts right here with basically the facts. It just gives us this straight up, here is a disclaimer. Pick it up with me in verse 18. It says this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. I mean, that is, that's like the news flash right there. Here are your facts. Here's what you get. Here's what's happening. You've got an engaged couple. They're in this, uh, this Middle Eastern cultural wedding experience, which is long and is lasting. It starts kind of with an announcement. There's an engagement that happens. Most of these would be uh, arranged. Why? Because uh, a marriage is too precious just to leave up to our emotions. And so there's a really beautiful picture here uh, of the family coming together and speaking into this, this arrangement. And then in this betrothal period, there is about a year distance in that where there's preparations being made. And you can read in the gospel these parables that are given here that make much of this picture, but there are preparations. Uh, this Joseph has gone to his father's house to make a space, to make a life prepared For his bride. You have these things happening. And now in this season. Mary is pregnant. I mean that is. Unbelievable. That would be like. Turn your life upside down stuff. But. God had given her signs. You see, in Matthew, we get this account from this perspective. And sometimes people come to church and they hear, wait, there's Matthew that's about Jesus' story. There's Luke and Mark and John. Those are all about Jesus' story. Are those competing narratives? Are those like different things? And who, which one should I trust? And which one do you read, Chad? And my, like, no, they're not different narratives. They're perspectives on this. And they're written for different purposes. And they're tremendously helpful. And so what we get here and what we'll we'll look into is that Matthew and this uh, text that we have today is going to give us a lot of what's happening from Joseph's perspective. But Luke gives us a longer story from Mary's perspective. And in Luke, you read about like God knows this is happening. And even before Mary is told, her cousin has a incredible pregnancy. Her cousin is being prepared for this. Elizabeth is being prepared for, to, to receive this news. An angel visits Mary. And what does Mary think? She's like, this is out of control. What is happening to my life? What does she do? She runs to her cousin. And her cousin is ready. There are signs. signs. God had been preparing her for this. God had given her everything she needed right there to believe and to trust and to follow after him. I just wonder if we need to pause there for a second and, and, and just kind of say, what have you been waiting for from God? In which he may have already been preparing all of it. That he's already at work 
in your life? Are you at work answering these things? And what happens in my own life, this is me, I start looking for God to answer my prayers and I get this tunnel vision. I get these binoculars out and I'm looking over this one hill for God to do it in this one way and he's gonna come over in this place at this time while I am looking, while all the while God has been answering and doing those things outside of my field of view. Maybe that's where you're at today. And so we're in this moment that was promised from the garden on, this moment of one who will come and be a deliverer, a fulfiller, this one who will come to be savior of the world. We're in this moment. It is almost here. This this moment is arriving with a pregnancy that is altogether unique and yet nothing looks different around them. Matthew starts this chapter with a genealogy. There's this like tree. It tells you like in this and this and this person and this person all the way back. I mean, it really is there. Don't skip the genealogy. There's people there. Let me give you one name to look up. Tamar. It's a really terrible story, but it's incredible that Tamar's name is in this genealogy. It's truly earth-shaking and tells you something about the love of God. The signs are all there, even in a genealogy of what God God is doing, it's right there to be seen. And this verse goes on to it. It sets the scene. It tells us that this woman who has never known biblical language for sleeping with, has never known a man, certainly not her husband in this moment, has her world turned upside down in which she finds out she's pregnant. Now imagine that conversation. Imagine that conversation. And track with me here because this is super important. This is one of those things in which we're like, oh yeah, there's a baby Jesus and he comes from the Virgin Mary. And we just kind of rattle off these facts without actually believing it. Sometimes we're like, yeah, I'm not sure about that. And yes, this is tremendously important. It is, it is absolutely at the center of our faith that this baby is unlike any other baby. If Jesus was conceived like the rest of us, He would have had a human father. And he'd just be another dude. And if Jesus is just another dude, then he's not God. And if he's not God, then the Bible isn't true. And if the Bible isn't true, then uh, whether or not he went to the cross doesn't matter because it wouldn't count for anything. It wouldn't count for anything. But this baby was the one who had always lived. This was God the Son coming down to become truly man so that he could take man's place. That he would be the substitute and the sacrifice for our sins. You see, I'm not, I am not the brightest of bulbs. I'm not, uh, my academic scores were not anything to write home about. I was thinking as much as possible on how to ditch class as I was of like what was going on in class. My teachers would say that like, man, you're, you're an average dude. You're, you're not the smartest kid in the room, but you do have the smartest mouth in the room. And I had this moment of like, yeah, I'm, like, I'm not really getting this. Here, case in point, this is not, I'm not kidding. My cousin was in here in the first service and he could testify to this. I loved the smell of exhaust growing up. 
A person of a certain age remembers the exhaust pipes coming out, and you'd be like, oh, let's just go smell that for way too long. I am not the brightest of people. And yet, man, even I can sit in this and read this and be like, hey, there's something else happening here. There's something bigger than just a couple kids having their life turned upside down. There's, there's something bigger to this story, and we, we want to catch that. You see, the difficulty is not just acknowledging it. We all know how to say, oh, there's a virgin baby, the immaculate conception, and we can throw these things out there. The, the difficulty and the, the bigger thing that is happening here is this call to believe that God is doing this in their lives. You see, we can say all we want about this. We can talk about it, and you can have the nativity around your, your tree or on your table. But if it's not here in your heart, then you're missing out on this. And that's why this couple is so helpful for us. They give us such a good roadmap. They give us such a good picture of what's going on. And so we get to see and we get to look in on this moment. This moment that is so long waited for and yet looks so ordinary to everything else. Because the announcement is made and Mary doesn't look any different. And so we get to this spot in the text in which verse 19 starts to put all the light on Joseph. How is Joseph going to respond? And Joseph is you and I right here in this moment. Verse 19, and her husband Joseph being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame. That sounds like a normal person, right? Like that's, you're a good dude. Treat her with honor. This isn't going to turn into some Jerry Springer episode. Like we're going to treat her with honor. This is going to be dealt with quietly. Jo Joseph is a just man right here. He resolved to divorce her quietly. We'll just kind of push this away. And we'll kind of move on from this and we'll quietly deal with everything. And why? Well, Joseph, I think it's fair to say we want to give the benefit of the doubt. I think Joseph loved Mary. But catch this. Joseph loved Mary. He just didn't believe her. He didn't believe her. Which is a really human moment in this. That his world had been turned upside down. And how is he supposed to catch this? And this is really important for us because if we're, if we're sitting in the Joseph seat, we've got to catch this. It is like the important thing is not that Joseph believed Mary. The most important thing here for Joseph and for us is that Joseph didn't need to believe Mary. He needed to believe God. And you and I will find ourselves in these moments just the exact same way in which we're dealing with circumstances that are beyond our explanation, that are beyond what we can deal with. We're dealing with, with questions that we have about faith. We're dealing with all sorts of things that we're like, man, I don't know how X goes with Y. I don't know how this works together. God, how could this happen? How could this happen? And, and the important thing is not necessarily that you believe whatever book you find or whatever Twitter feed you find that speaks to you or, or news outlet. It's that you and I believe God. 
And that God is who he says he is, and he's doing what he says he's going to do. And he is not leaving you hanging out to dry, and he's not playing games with your life. You're going to have people in your life who will tell you all sorts of things, and it doesn't really matter if you believe them. It's do you believe God? See, this wasn't what Joseph was expecting. This wasn't what he was looking for. He, he's in this moment of like, this is not how we planned it out. And where it, we get to this moment where he is struggling to believe. I keep coming back to this as Joseph represents us right here. Of like, where are you struggling to believe in your life this morning? Where are you struggling to believe that God actually has a plan, even in the midst of all this crazy, in which he is working out, and yet he's coming at the same time and says, believe me. Trust me. Notice where this goes. Verse 20. But as he considered these things, as Joseph considered these things, he, he just like you and I, he's playing this out in his head and he's thinking through all of it. He's got all the scenarios, all the, the possibilities. He's got all of his arguments in his head. He's considering these things. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Here's what he said. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Question. This is the part in the text where if you're thinking about what Joseph's going through, your hand would be raised as well. I believe that Joseph raised his hand and was like, hey, I got a number of questions I need you to take care of. Like, I, I heard that. I'm taking notes. Like, he's doing the, like, yeah, don't be afraid. How am I supposed to do that? Like, Holy Spirit, <laughs> wait a second. There are questions, and there are going to be questions in your life. There are certainly questions here in this story with Joseph, and Joseph doesn't get all the answers but he has all he needs to trust and believe in God. He doesn't have everything he wants, but he has everything he needs to follow after this moment. Notice where it goes in verse 21. The angel doesn't answer his questions. The angel just plows through. Put your hand down, Joseph. She will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see, that, that prophet wasn't just like around the corner. That prophet was hundreds and hundreds of years earlier. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 7 is speaking this prophecy of this one who would come. You see, the signs were there. The signs have been there from the beginning all the way back to Genesis 3. The signs are there to trust and believe. It is God knowing exactly what he was doing. And he still knows. This is the God who cares. He cares about the little things. He cares about the details. He cares about the spaces that hurt and the spaces in which we're afraid. He cares. It's this God 
of the Bible who is still doing these things. He's still working. He's still working the same way in your life. And though the Immaculate Conception is a unique moment in history, this God caring about the details and coming to us in unusual ways, coming to us in ways that we never expected, in ways that we never saw it, and said, hey, I'm with you in this moment. That God is still at work. He's still moving. He's still doing all of those things. And when you see, God caring about the details cares enough to know about what Mary needs and what Joseph needs to believe. And he knows that there's a day coming when she's going to start showing. And there's this day coming in which it's going to be difficult for her for all sorts of reasons, both physically and emotionally. There's a day coming in which she's going to need a partner in this, a real partner. And she's going to need a protector. And not because she's weak or insufficient, but because she's human and because people can say things that hurt and wound. She's going to need a protector and a shield in this place. And she's going to need somebody to walk with her in the moments where life just goes on and the angels aren't there singing in brightness where you're like, am I crazy or did I really hear that? And someone to look right next to you and say, no, you heard that. I heard it too. Why does God do that? To prove himself? No, he does that because he cares. He does that because he cares. And so God chose Joseph, a backwoods carpenter. And if you are like me, expecting like, man, this guy, if he's going to be the king of kings, he's going to need some smarts in his stuff. He's going to need some good royal blood, and he's going to need the best schooling, and he's going to need to know which forks to use at which meals, and he's going to need to know the right things at the right times. He's going to need to know how to sit up straight, and he's going to need to know all these types of things. And yet that's not what he gets in Joseph. Joseph, uh, a guy with a questionable resume. Joseph, a guy with like no discernible strengths other than he's really good with his hands. He's a carpenter, which is an unbelievably beautiful thing. But Joseph, he's not one to really prepare a king, is he? Except the angel tells us something really important because this God cares about the details. He says, this is Joseph, son of David. Son of David. See, if you were to go to Israel today, you would be surrounded by memorabilia, reminders of David. David is really important. David is huge. David is the first of these kings that really set up this whole thing. We know there were other kings here, but David is the one who set his heart before this God and actually established this role in this kingdom for Israel. And so David, you could go to Israel today and you could step into a place called Mick David's, which is a burger place, and you could go get everything that you want right there because they remember David. But guess what? It's not the name of David that saves. It's not the name of Muhammad. It's not the name of Buddha. It's not the name of your favorite politician. It's not your name or my name that saves. It is only the name of Jesus. And even that name is not left up to chance. The angel tells you will name this. 
You see, God cares about all these details. And Joseph and Mary were given this awesome responsibility to bring this child here and to raise up this child in ways that people for the rest of their life are going to say things about them that aren't true. It's going to be a hard road. This isn't going to be easy, but it is part of God's love story in which he's taking this couple and he's doing something incredibly beautiful in their life to trust and believe him. You see, it's right here. It's woven into his name even that this is the one who's coming to save. God, our Savior, is in the name. God, who is salvation. The angel even explained that the reason for calling the child Jesus was that he would save his people from their sins. Friends, the signs are all there. First John chapter 4 says this, in this, this child, this Jesus, in this, the love of God was made manifest. It showed up. It was among us, manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Whatever unexpected place you find yourself in today, whether you're limping or you're sprinting, whether you're full of excitement for this season or, or life feels to be dragging you down, if you're bringing in disappointments and failure or excitement and hope, like this story is for you and it's living in him which changes everything. He calls us sons and daughters. He calls us his very own. He responds to us and brings Beauty from brokenness and life from what feels like death. It's in his love for you and me, this story of Jesus uniquely showing up as a baby. It is the loudest, brightest billboard sign for you to believe in this God. It's right here in this story that we see Joseph and Mary. It's right here in this story that we see this loud call with all the signs around it to say, believe and trust. And yet so often we don't. We're like, oh man, if there were just signs. Imagine if you were driving through town and you ran a stop sign. You ran through the stop sign and then you get pulled over for it and, you, and the police officer walks up to your window and he's like, hey, what were you doing back there? You ran through that sign. And you're like, I missed the sign. He's like, all right, no problem. Go on. It's no big deal. We have a police officer back here. Maybe he could answer that for you. I tend to doubt that would be the response. The signs were there, whether you saw them or not. And there's an expectation, whether it's driving or it's life, in which you will respond accordingly to the signs. You see, we see the God of the universe become fully human to identify with us. To change us. To bring us into fullness of life. And to take those messy parts of our story and our life. And to redeem them. To give us a, 
really incredible part of his huge tapestry. You see, Joseph is a guy just living out the carpenter's dream. And yet God has a purpose for his life that is much bigger. Joseph may or may not know that he's from the line of David, and yet God has something even bigger for him. And you may be sitting in the day-to-day of your life saying, when is this going to change? Or what is, what's going to happen with my life? Or what am I becoming? Or chasing after something that will ultimately like just go away. And yet this God has put signs in your life all around in which he's saying, believe me, follow after me. I have a purpose for you. All those longings in your life are found in Jesus. And so as we wrap this, I want you to see another one of those signs. It's right before us. We see it all the time. And too often we just tune it out and we just chalk it up to, oh, that's a, that's a verse that they have to read. They have to say those types of things. But I want you to see what comes up in John chapter 3. This passage, not just verse 16, but what comes from it because the signs are there and it's for us to respond. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. It doesn't get much more clear than that. But in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. You see, Jesus is being given into the world. He's he's being given to the world so you and I could experience hope and peace and joy and love that satisfies all those longings in our heart. And the question is like, where are you running Where have you been running to have those things satisfied? Where do you think you're going to find it other than Jesus? And I just say this as your friend, as your pastor, uh, as a brother, as a a father figure. Like, nothing else will satisfy. Man, what a a dream. (laughs) What a dream Joseph has right here. This is an incredible all-timer dream that gets recorded in Scripture forever. This is a crazy, uh, unique moment. What a dream. But here's what might be just as important as all of that is what happens when Joseph wakes up. His life looks exactly the same. It, It looks exactly the same. What happens next? Notice what verse 24 says. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. See, Joseph woke up, and he believed what he had heard, and he obeyed. He be- just woke, he believed he obeyed. For us, friends, God is giving you every sign. He is giving you the whole of Scripture 
And we say, oh, God, if I just understood, if I just knew that, God has given you signs in your life. He's given you people. He's given you circumstances. He's given you things. But it couldn't be more clear than on the pages of Scripture what he has done. I even believe and have seen in other lives where God is sending dreams and visions to people. Even right now, God is doing those things in people's lives. He's given you every single thing you need. And maybe this morning, this text is for you to wake up, to believe, and to obey. You may not have all the answers that you want. And your circumstance may be confusing or painful, difficult or comfortable. It may be all sorts of things. Your circumstances are, are challenging in many ways, but like God is able to do something through that. This text is a huge billboard sign from God saying, wake up and believe in me. You see, friends, we sang, even at the beginning, there was a sign. We sang, we sang these words that seem to resonate with what we're talking about. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. And why? Because Jesus paid it all. Will you pray with me?